Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. Last week, we started a two-episode interview with David Byers and Colin Hansen, our new Beeson Advisory Board co-chairs. We asked them about their faith journeys, local church commitments, and senses of vocation in their day jobs and at Beeson. This week, we continue our conversation with these brothers, but we'll focus more intently on the state of our seminaries and potential here at Beeson to be of service to the church and the larger kingdom of God. So Kristen, why don't we dive right in with these dear guests? Hello, everyone. If you listened to last week's episode, you heard uh, Doug ask our guest about the state of American evangelical churches. And so we want to jump right in and continue that conversation, this time talking about the state of American evangelical seminaries. And so David and Colin, um, we just want to talk to you about uh, what you think the challenges and opportunities of American evangelical seminaries are these days, especially as it relates to the challenges and opportunities that um, you described um, regarding the church. So David, could we start with you? Yeah, you know, as we talked about last time, I'm I'm a wannabe seminarian, but not a seminarian. So uh, I probably don't have the in-depth perspective on that, that that certainly Doug or even Colin would have. But my sense is that within evangelical seminaries, we don't have often the commitment to real uh, scholarship that that I wish that we had. That it's sometimes more of a little little bit of a trade school mentality, or you know that you can get this by distance, or you know you can get this by sitting just sitting in lectures uh, in big auditoriums at a cut rate. And I look, I completely get that. You know, when you're going into ministry, your ability to, you know, swing a, a student loan for the next 20 years of your life is is limited. I, I, I understand that. But I think that to the extent that we cut short a seminary education in order to come up with uh, some kind of quick tips and, and, and shortcut versions of Christianity, uh, I think it's damaging. I've always admired at least the, the Catholics' approach to or their depth of scholarship. And I don't think that we do ourselves any uh, favors by shortcutting a deep knowledge of the scholarship of the Bible. And I find that when I'm talking to even unbelievers, you know, what they really want to know is, what is this whole narrative? What is this about? And, you know, when I go into even my somewhat shallow education about it. They've just never heard the Bible explain in any depth. So I hope that our seminaries are not um, shortcutting that as much as I fear that they are. Thank you, David. Colin, what would you add? If I were an opportunity with all of these leaders of, of evangelical seminaries, what I would tell them is you ultimately need, in this increasingly secular, post-Christian West, you don't need less training, you need more. And I would say that you need a foundation of, of biblical exegesis. You need to build on that with an understanding of history and the development of doctrine. And certainly, I think 
Beeson's well positioned in those ways more so, I think, than a lot of other seminaries. And then I would also add that you need a grid to be able to interpret the culture in which you live. And I think Beeson is 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 growing in those ways as well. But those things, they all have to be working together at the same time. And I think that some seminaries that are more attuned to the contemporary situation, sometimes they can get unmoored from their from, from the history of the church or systematic theology or from biblical exegesis. And I think some other places that you'll learn a lot about the Reformation or learn a lot about Greek and Hebrew, you don't necessarily learn a lot about how you're supposed to apply that today or even some of the challenges that Christians have faced in the past of being able to do that. And so it's always that evangelical desire, which is easier said than done, to want to simultaneously be faithful to the Bible above all, you know, uh, revealed by God. Same time, faithful to good Christian history, not in a narrow sense, but in a basic Christianity sense. And at the same time, be relevant to an ever-changing world. And we can all talk about ways that that's gone haywire one way or another. But that's what I see seminaries continually struggling with. And um, I think Basin is uniquely positioned to do that because of a strong foundation of we are rooted in that historical evangelical doctrine, but also we teach people to think on their own because of our different, our commitment to being interdenominational there. And so that's just one of the many reasons. I'm sure we'll have some other opportunities on this podcast, talk about other reasons. I'm excited about Beeson right now, but if that's what I were talking to evangelical seminaries from my alma mater to others where I love to work with today, that's what I would say about the needs for this moment. Now that we've talked a little bit about the state of the church and the state of evangelical seminary education in general, let's talk a bit about Beeson Divinity School and its place in the larger world of seminaries, divinity schools. I mentioned in telling our listeners just a little bit, Colin, about how we got you connected to Beeson. How did we talk wow. you into being part of the enterprise here, and uh, what's what would you say is the the place of Beeson in the larger economy of theological education in North America today? Yeah, so you know it's a funny it's a funny story, but um, back when I was an undergrad in Chicago, I was writing about the Reformation. I was aware of Christianity Today magazine, especially as a journalism major, and so I got acquainted with the work of Timothy George, and so I. I I mean, had the privilege of basically just calling him. <laughs> and I think it was Leanne I must have talked to who connected me straight. And there I am interviewing him. And he's giving me a breakdown of, of the Catholic Church and the Reformation and all that kind of stuff. I knew he was a scholar in that sense, but I didn't have any really idea that depth. And then over the years, as I would visit my my the girlfriend at the time, and then now my wife, I visit her family in Birmingham from Chicago, he would just be gracious to sit down with me every time. And we would just talk about whatever. And I would ask him career advice. I remember asking him about seminaries. And he said, we need to, he said, well, of course, I'd love for you to come here, but you need to go meet when you go back to Chicago with my good friend, John Woodbridge. And of course, met with John Woodbridge. And John said, well, I got just the idea for you. You need to go take this class with Doug Sweeney. <laughs> so that's how it all came together there. And so I, even though I never attended Beeson. I've benefited from it in so many ways and always been an admirer. And then when I moved here in 2012, um, we moved here for a variety of reasons, but having Beeson just a few minutes away from us was a blessing. And an extra blessing was when 
Timothy George said, hey, we've got some extra space here. Would you love a spot where you can where you can come and be a part of our community and um, and have just have a place to, to work outside of the home? And that's just been an amazing blessing for me over the years. And then I simply really got lucky in that providential sense that that Doug, you then you came and succeeded. Timothy George in that. And so I think one thing I just want to add on here is that Beeson has been just this amazing witness that we're seeing over the last 30 plus years uh, through Birmingham and around the world. One of the things that's neatest is that I love to serve Beeson in large part because of my commitment to Birmingham and my local church and that community. And the way Beeson is so integrated now throughout Birmingham is a relatively recent development as changes have under as changes have been happening in our city and so i i just say to prospective students or donors or just supporters of the school that it's a great place to be for all kinds of different reasons but in part because of the amazing breadth of churches that are wonderful and ready for you to serve with and doing a wide variety of things throughout and throughout our city and just david talking I mean, we could talk forever just about the history of his church going all the way back to Brother Brian in, in this city. And so it's just, I just love that. I love our community and I just love the way Beeson integrates there and just glad to be, play a small part in it. How about you, David? How do we get you connected to Beeson Divinity School? And what's your take uh, on the place of Beeson in the larger world of theological education? How's it similar to and different from other schools that you've heard about or you might know about? Um, well, I, you know, I became involved because I, heard that there was a Jonathan Edwards scholar who was the new dean at Beeson Seminary. Of course, I'd known of Beeson and knew a couple of graduates there in the past, but I thought a Jonathan Edwards scholar in Birmingham, Alabama, that I, that's somebody I want to meet. And, um, you know, I've, I haven't read all of Edwards' works, but the, the few that I've read were extremely impactful you know, reading charity and its fruits and the, and, and, and the way Edward spoke, spoke of the fruit of the spirit being in, in, the, in the conversion of man being the true extraordinary gifts of the spirit was something I'll just never recover from. And so anyway, I, I threw, a, you know, through one of our assistant pastors, uh, Doug, you and I were supposed to have lunch. It turns out he got sick or something and couldn't. And you and I had lunch and I was uh, really, really glad that we did. So that was my first connection to the seminary. Um, uh, you know, I think that if I, if if I were confronted with that choice again to go to seminary and go to law or go to law school, and I knew about Beeson, what I do now, I might have tried harder to prevail on my wife to to uh, go to seminary with me because the you know the community that Beeson is the role of professors in the lives of the students at Beeson the 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 interactive kind of community that it is that I've heard about uh, from our pastors is an incredible thing and that's the kind of thing that if I were a student that I would long for is to be not just not just given facts about the Bible in, in an auditorium setting, but to be immersed in a culture of living out the Bible and being with older people who had walked with Christ much longer than I have and who were very, very educated in the scriptures and had been just, just walking through life and to get their advice, particularly in this age that we live in now, to be able to talk through some of the things that that uh, are going on in culture would have been worth everything. I mean, I think that's just the best training for 
a pastor who's not just going to preach Sunday sermons, not that Beeson doesn't train you well to do that, but that is also going to be living with their, their parish or their congregation and walking through life with them, that that's just this training that's really essential, although it's not often provided. So I think Beeson has a, a really valuable role in the world of seminaries. Within the last couple of years, we have launched several new initiatives. And as you both know, there are many other plans underway. So what gets you excited about Beeson's future, um, especially as you think about some of the um, things that are happening at our school? Um, what gets you excited? And for our listeners, uh, how might they get involved or how might you encourage them to support the work that um, is going on here today? David, let's start with you. You know, Colin mentioned just a minute ago about the essentials of seminary education, including kind of cultural context. And I think that Beeson is set up to to teach that, particularly particularly in kind of, you know, life on life and in, in, in discussion with professors to kind of teach how it is that you do that, how you engage people and understand the culture, you know, that we're all swimming in and relate the gospel into that culture. So all of that excites me. And, you know, one thing Doug and I talked about was to, was filling the Billy Graham chair of apologetics. I mean, apologetics, man, I love to watch Billy Graham films. My wife and I will sit and watch a Billy, a rerun of a Billy Graham crusade. And so much of it is so nostalgic. It just brings, you know, what a gifted orator he was, but we live in a different era. And so I think Basin is particularly postured, uh, given the, the, the way that the education is structured to really teach seminarians how to speak into the right context. As far as supporting it, you know, I was surprised at how uh, little it takes to support, you know, a scholarship. And so I'm talking to my church now about boarding and scholarship. And, you know, Basin is more expensive than some schools. I think it's it's entirely worth it. But again, I know you can only you can only stretch so far. So, um, you know, we need people to jump on board and help and fund scholarships for for uh, young people coming through seminary. And so that's one, I think, really easy way to get involved. Thank you, David. Colin, by the time this episode airs, you will be in the middle of teaching a brand new class at Beeson. Yeah. So that's one of the new things on the horizon. But um, what else would you add to uh, what excites you about Beeson's future? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I got to follow up with David and Doug after this, and I want to hear more of those updates of what they've been working on there. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, my uh, class will be uh, will be teaching right when this comes out, cultural apologetics. We've got a full class of 17 students signed up to take that for two weeks. Should be a real fun, real fun time for all of us. I'm looking forward to it, no doubt. But um, I mean, there's so many different things for a relatively small school in the grand scheme of things. There's always all kinds of different things happening from Kristen. I know we've talked, I mean, you've talked on the podcast a lot about the women in ministry, the ways that we're helping to develop women in a variety of different callings and backgrounds there, new Methodist, uh, you know, uh, uh, certifications. I mean, I would not have even thought that possible some 10, 20 years ago, especially as somebody I grew up in the Methodist church. So there's always new developments like that. 
But at the same time, the thing that I come back to is I'm working on a project right now that maybe we can talk about in the future. But so much of this book that I've been working on is about the influence that residential seminary education can have in a person's life. And I, in this biography, I've got, I think, three chapters just on seminary. And it keeps coming back to the community, the relationships the mentorship, the conversations over over the meals, just the in-depth focus and how it builds a lifetime of ministry. And so I know that it's always easy in a seminary to be talking about the new innovations that allow you to be able to, to go quicker and to finish younger and to not have to move. And I understand the benefit or, or have to do it all online. I understand the benefits of that. But I've seen so many different times in ministry that what saves you in the short term hurts you in the long term. And we're looking forward to a lifetime of ministry with eternal impact. And as a result, you want to devote your best to those three, three and a half years of seminary training. I know the difference it's made in my life. I know it's the difference it's made in all kinds of other people's lives, including people that I write about and that I serve with. And so what I'm excited about in the future of Beeson is not changing that focus. <laughs> Again, I hesitate to share some of the other new initiatives that I'm not even sure are public about that I'm pretty excited about in terms of even higher advanced degrees and whatnot. But I just I'm excited that Beeson will be the same school that so many people have loved for 30 plus years. And that's saying something in this economic and uh, seminary climate. Amen. Lord, help us. I would be remiss, guys, if if we didn't give a shout out to the board itself. You know, we set this interview up by telling everybody that you two are the new co-chairs of the Beeson Advisory Board. And they probably don't need 10, 15 minutes about the advisory board. But tell tell our listeners a little bit about what the board is, what the board does, and as new chairs of the board, what your hopes and your prayers are for the role the board might play through the ministries of Beeson and building up the Lord's church and advancing his kingdom. Uh, Colin, you want to start this one? Sure. Yeah, well, I've I've been honored to be on the board from the from the beginning and being able to see the whole thing develop. And I do think it's helpful for people to understand that this is an advisory board. It's not a governing board. Uh, David and I and the board members, we have no actual authority over Doug or anybody else. So we're here as as friends and as servants and as advocates of, of Doug's leadership, as well as the, the seminary as a whole. So I would say we are incredibly blessed with uh, the leadership of our previous president, Annie Westmoreland at Samford, and then also now Beck Taylor, our current president, because that's what sets the trajectory for Beeson as well and that board. And I haven't always known how that would turn out, um, but I can say that I've never been more confident about Samford University and its direction and the governance of that board at Samford. Um, it's not necessarily, in some ways it has changed and I think it's changed for the better uh, for the school's long-term future. And so that's, so we don't, so we don't govern, but we do advise. And so that includes raising money, that includes recruiting students, that includes advocating as we're looking to hire faculty. And I know, Doug, that one of the things that we've talked about before is we we have some pending retirements 
um, even announced retirements at Beeson. And we're going to have to try to find younger faculty to help carry and lead this school forward for the next generations and the way that we look back at Frank Thielman and Ken Matthews having done so. So I'll kick it to David for the rest of this, but I, I, I'm really grateful for Victor Hansen's leadership, our friend Victor, um, with the board over the years, Carolyn Lankford, and having set it up originally and recruiting me. And I think it would be, I think people would be, would be encouraged to know the mixture of business leaders, current pastors, especially in Birmingham, and Beeson alumni. It's a good mixture of people who bring diverse perspectives. And I know, Doug, you've been very clear with us about wanting our input, despite the fact that we all know that you don't need it, in, in part because you lead well, but also because we're not a governance board. So the fact that you solicit that from us is something that we take seriously and we want to help with in, we help with because we ultimately, we love the school and we love to see what God's doing through it. It's a good word. And I do need it, Colin, by the way. And uh, <laughs> speaking of my need for friends, David, how about you? Uh, what got you interested in the board? And as you hope and dream and pray about the future of the, the role of the board and the life of Beeson, what do you think about? Well, I'll say what got me interested, Doug, was um, as a, you know, an, an envious non-seminarian to be in particular around Beeson and to really kind of see a seminary the exact way I would wanted, I would have wanted to, to, to do it um, just makes me love to be around it. I mean, I just love, honestly, I just love to walk, you know, and explore the school the other day before our board meeting, just walking through and kind of exploring and by myself and seeing classes start and, you know, the professors up uh, beginning to talk to students, you know, in a weird way, I, I was with somebody yesterday who was telling me how much they love collecting watches and cars. And I'm like, I don't know anything I like to collect in a weird way. I, I like to be around, like walk through those halls and see people teaching, you know, the word of God to younger people who are going to be living way after I am, you know, should the Lord choose to, to, uh, to delay. And and teaching the word of God. So I just love the whole environment. I love being around it. And I love doing anything I can to help it. Um, you know, I think that I guess my view of where the board goes is, you know, it looks to me like the board has done a great job of being, you know, a, a cheerleader for the school and encouraging probably, you know, Timothy George well agree with Colin. You probably don't need a lot of advice or we all need encouragement. But I think what you could also um, use is just kind of help in advocating for the school um, and help in in creating additional resources for the school. And I think that's what I would encourage each board member to do is just say, you know, in, we're all different. Pastors are in a different spot than business people are. Everybody's in a different spot. But how can I help? advocate for the school you know who can i introduce to the school who might catch a vision we're very blessed to have the support of mr beeson and we're not threatened like a lot of seminaries financially but you know what we can do in uh, the number of students we can serve and impact is is restricted by the funds that we have available so that's what uh, the direction i would like to see the board going is how can we better advocate and help the school um, bring in more kids and that, you know, scholarships would be really important for that. 
Thank you, David, for that word and Colin for this conversation today and for the one that we had last week. Uh, Colin, we ended last week's episode by hearing from David about what the Lord has been working on his life, how he's been working on his life. And so we'd like to end this podcast with hearing what the Lord has been doing in your life, teaching you these days as a word of encouragement to our listeners. Maybe this won't immediately sound encouraging, but really the theme passage for me that I think about this last year has been Psalm 73. It seems as though sometimes that unrighteousness rules or that it works or that somehow the ungodly prosper and that the church is weak and ineffective and being able to to oppose that. And yet I enter into the sanctuary of the Lord and I discern their end. And so the Psalms have been that balm to my soul of giving me heavenly perspective. And I think what I find so often is when you read through the Bible over and over and over again, it's amazing how different times in your life, different themes will emerge or, 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 or recede. And what I've seen with the Psalms is now I go through there. I think, wow, there's so much here about your friends betraying you. (laughs) I was like, I didn't think about that when I was a 15 year old convert. But now that I've been in ministry for decades, I understand that now and that people who you once thought were were close are, are no longer. And so even though that is discouraging, it takes me right back. And I I think about something that I preached years ago, actually at Beeson Chapel about the friendship of Peter and the friendship of Judas and how the difference is ultimately it's, it's grace and I'm grateful for Jesus's grace because I don't have any hope apart from that. And, um, and that's enough. Even if, uh, you know, think about Habakkuk three, I mean, even if the Babylonians should invade yet, I will praise the Lord. I mean, that's, uh, that's enough in this world and it'll be enough in the next. And as we, as we dwell with, well with God forever. So that's what I'm learning now. It's a bit bittersweet, but it is, it is legitimately sweet. That is indeed enough, listeners, and we will forever give God thanks and praise for his grace in our lives, not least through the ministries of these friends, Colin Hansen and David Byers, the new co-chairs of the Beeson Divinity School Advisory Board. David Byers' day job is to serve as managing principal of capital strategies here in Birmingham. Collins is to serve as vice president for content and editor-in-chief of the Gospel Coalition, They're both dear friends uh, of mine and of this school, most importantly. We thank them for their time, and we thank you for joining us. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.